What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games. You know, because they're pretty rad. Today, I'm totally piggybacking off of Jason over at Nerds RPG Variety Cast. He let me know in his episode, National Puzzle Day, that it is indeed National Puzzle Day at time of recording here in the state so I, I i was like damn i love puzzles let me talk some about puzzles plus i had a couple call-ins plus i played in a couple games this week so i was like what the hell let's put out an episode and that's what i did <laughs> that's what this is that's what you're listening to right now <laughs> so let's start off with some calls from uh Menyen, and then we'll hear from jason in my last episode I had a message or I had a couple messages from Menyon and I mentioned that I had accidentally deleted the second half of one of them. So he was kind enough to call in and say what he, what he was talking about, which thank you, dude. <laughs> That's very helpful, man. I felt so bad. I really appreciate it. And then, yeah. And then we'll hear from Jason. He's talking about, uh, reading, Reading before you run. That's what Jason's talking about. But first, Menyon, what's up, man? Hey, Joe, this is Rob, also known as Menyon. I hope you can hear me over the traffic. I'm on the way to work. So you deleted the best message. Basically, what I was going to say was that the, these ideas of crunch really are kind of superfluous when it comes down to, you know, knowing the game, the people knowing the game that they're playing. So if you know the game you're playing, things do run smoothly. Um, and I forget what I was going to say about AD&D, but I think, you know, a lot of the rules like taking off your helmets, these things are really peripheral to the D&D experience, you know, and most people would never have used such rules. So that was more or less the crux of what I wanted to say. Anyway, take care, man. Also, um, one more thing. I know what I've been saying uh, recently may be seem contradictory or to contradict what... Uh, what Daniel of Bandit's Keep or, uh, or Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast have been saying about AD&D, but I think um, there's a difference of how I would play it today, which is very much rules as written. If I'm going to play it, I'll play it. Try and get, you know, rules as written for the most part. There's a few things I might drop. Gender restrictions, for example. Um, but uh, beyond that, no, I think when, when we were younger, we certainly would have, we would have played it much more fast and loose wouldn't have played it rules as written it would have been you know um we would have dropped a, a lot of the stuff there particularly around the initiative and and the fiddly aspects of uh, uh the time you know segments and things like that but uh i'll leave that for other people to, to untangle i think the traffic even sounds better over there <laughs> than it does here Menyan. like Every time you call when you're outside, it's amazing. Or when you record an episode and you're outside and you just hear the nature and it's quiet. And every now and then, you know, you'll hear like a bird or something cool. It's just awesome. But as far as the crunch goes, yeah, 100%. If you know the system, then yeah, no matter how crunchy it is, it's not really all that crunchy. I'm sure people that know Burning Wheel like the back of their hand think it's a really, really easy game. And to them, it probably is. But to me, it just seems like, damn. (laughs) And then, you know, as far as playing 
rules as written and fast and loose. It was pointed out to me <laughs> the other day by by Jason that it's weird that when I was a kid, our group played Merp and Rollmaster as close as close to raw, as close to rules as written as we could as we could. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I don't remember us playing like making up our own rules or dropping other rules. And so obviously we didn't incorporate everything from all the books of Rollmaster, but we incorporated it a lot. <laughs> My buddy had a ton of the Rollmaster books. And that, I, you know, it dawned on me that, yeah, okay, that explains a lot. <laughs> that helped form me as a young role player into, okay, so when we play these games, we just, we play them, we play the rules of the game, because it's the game. But I, I totally understand that not everybody did that. And I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to realize, thanks to it having been brought to my attention, that probably not even most people <laughs> most people did that so yeah you know i'm totally weird but that's cool <laughs> i i totally enjoy being the black sheep and being a weirdo but yeah man like going back to your crunch thing for sure like if you know a system it's not crunchy that's that's a great great observation dude so thank you Here's an observation. My neighbors still have their Christmas lights up. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's almost February, but that's cool. <laughs> anyway, let's, I, I, since I mentioned Jason, let's hear from Jason. So like I said earlier, he's calling in to talk about the importance of a dungeon master reading the event. If they're running a pre-written adventure to read it before you run it. All right, Jason, take it away, dude. Thanks again, minion. Hey Joe, I have the exact same experience. If I'm playing a game and a game master has to refer to the adventure and read up what's going on during the game, it kills the momentum of the game and it really makes it unfun. I mean, it's one thing if they have, you know, it, referencing something now and then isn't the end of the world and referencing, you know, rule if they have to isn't that big of a deal. But if they're constantly referencing the adventure multiple times, throughout the game yeah it just makes the session unfun and makes you not want to play so good call out there i don't know about it being a good call out but yeah man and to be clear i am absolutely yeah like jason pointed out i am not talking about looking up a rule or look up the exact mechanics of how like a crazy trap would work you know, or the DC to unlock a door, like looking up little stuff like that. That's, that's cool. That little minutia stuff. Um, I, the only reason I don't do that, or I try my hardest not to do that is because it is very difficult for me to do that in any sort of efficient manner. But yeah, that stuff's totally fine. But you know, like I said, where my dungeon master would just stop and read a couple paragraphs about what's what the next few rooms are like or whatever, and then be like, okay, now you guys can start again. Yeah. That, that got old real, real fast. And we, we even talked to him about it. You know, we, we talked to him and he's like, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> and we're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? So yeah, I guess his schedule got changed at work. So he didn't have, 
the day off on our game day, he had to work in the morning. So his excuse was he couldn't read ahead because he had to work that day. And when we responded by saying, well, you could read (laughs) ahead on another day. And he said, no, that's impossible. Can't do that. And so that's where we were. So that's eventually why we're like, well, okay, let's, let's figure something else out. And we eventually got a different dungeon master, but yeah, more power to that dude. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> I actually ran into him a couple years ago for the first time in a long time. And it was, it was, it was weird. <laughs> it was very weird. Anyway, uh, enough about sessions that aren't that great. Let's talk about a couple sessions that were, that were really fun. So yeah, here's a couple session recaps. I played in two games this week, but I'm mostly only going to talk about the Curse of the Crimson Throne game because uh, I really want to point all of you over to Jason's Nerds RPG Variety Cast, his episode, the National Puzzle Day episode, where he does a recap of the Talisman game that I'm playing in with him because he does an amazing job. I don't, I don't like. <laughs> He he had notes, and I don't know if he had notes, but he did a fantastic job of remembering all the amazing details and everything. It was such a fun session. Yeah, as Jason points out, we didn't really roll any dice, and it was just a really, really cool session. Uh, Eric, this is this was my first time playing with Eric as a dungeon master, and he's fantastic. He's really good with characterization. Uh, and description. I just, I, I, I just remember when he was describing us walking up to the squat wizard's tower, just thinking, yeah, I love fantasy. <laughs> I love fantasy is my favorite genre by far. I just love all the imagery, um, you know, squat stone tower with like chickens running around very medievally, very just super that stuff. It sings in my heart, dude. I love fantasy, but um, yeah. And then <clears throat> Eric is just amazing with voices. It's awesome. His voices that he did with the two mentors, because Jason's character and my character, we're both sort of younger in our late teens. We have, we each have a mentor. Um, and yeah, just there was <laughs> when Eric was going back and forth between the two mentors, se- seamlessly switching between voices, I, I found myself at one time, like, sort of moving my head back and forth, like I was watching two different people talk. It was, it was really awesome. Like, that's why I love playing with different dungeon masters. Because the more I play with different dungeon masters, the more things I can glean from the way they run games. Since we all run games differently, and it it just makes me a better game master by being able to play with amazing game masters. So thank you, Eric, Jason. It's, it's always super fun to play with Jason. We had a really good time. His sexy minstrel lady character and my big, ugly, Ophi troll dude character. We'll see. There's definitely sparks on one end. Uh, Moshi, my troll scout. He's definitely got a little crush on Sonia. But we'll see if uh, we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> am I too proud to hit on Jason? No, no, I am not. 
anyway, uh, so yeah, the Curse of the Crimson Throne game, that was fun. That game is just like, you know, some people like to watch reality TV. Some people like to watch really bad movies and, you know, read trashy romance novels, just stuff to relax and switch your brain off. That's kind of how this Curse of the Crimson Throne game is for me. I just go and it's it's fun, right? Like right now, like I said last session, we're we're kind of in a groove. We're doing all these little mini side missions that all seem, you know, they all have a point. So we're not just meandering anymore. It very feels like we're on to something now. Though I'm still not sure how we need to get access to the queen, right? Like we all suspect our our characters all suspect and as players, we're all pretty sure that the queen did something nefarious to the king to cause his death. Whether she did it by her own hand or hired somebody else to do it, she, we think, we think. We could be wrong, but that's that's where our heads are at right now. So right now we're still running a bunch of side missions for the city watch for Cressidia. And that's fun when we had to go investigate this alleyway where she heard rumors that bodies were being dumped, plague victim bodies were being dumped by, you know, the people that are supposed to be carting off the bodies. She heard that they were just throwing them in this alleyway and she wanted us to find out if it was true. Yes, it was totally true. And when you have a bunch of dying people, it's pretty easy for, for the creatures of the night to cover up their evil deeds. So we uncovered a nest of baddies and we, with fire and fucking stakes, we murdered all of them, took a boatload of damage and negative levels. That sucked. Uh, Templeton got real close to dying just from negative levels. Cause in Pathfinder and most all RPGs, if you get, negative levels equal to your level you die and we are all level six at one point templeton had four negative levels (laughs) after that fight needless to say we went and visited our buddy the priest of abadar over at the central bank slash church of abadar that's a real thing they they're like I said before, their high priest is called, a, I think, the head checker or something. Anyway, so paid a shitload of gold to get most of those because the whole party took negative levels. I think between all of us, we had like seven negative levels. Uh, we only removed six of them. And because Templeton had the most, I still have one negative level remaining that I'll have to get rid of you know the next game day next session hopefully at some point but yeah that was pretty much it we that (laughs) we uncovered a nest of vipers and rid them of the city but now we know you know where there's some there's the one right now we got to go find that one but we i i sort of suspect as a as a player I sort of suspect that this other side mission that we're on now investigating this spooky murder manor where we went broke into this manor house and there's just body parts everywhere. 
I sort of, <laughs> I sort of suspect it might be related, <laughs> but we'll see. I can't imagine if I, I've been very vague about what the, what the baddie is, but I'm sure you can all piece it out. And since it is national puzzle day, thank you for pointing that out, Jason. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you puzzle out what monster I'm talking about? What, uh, what nest of baddies we came across where if there's some, there has to be the one anyway. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how, if there'll be any clues or anything that'll connect what we're doing back to the queen somehow or anything, but I'm looking hard for clues and you know, some of the other players and stuff are laughing at me. Like we're all having fun and make like talking shit. That's what we do when we play. But, you know, I'll be like, I, I searched this room. I'm looking for, like, letters, clues, anything. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> There's got to be something, right? It's, it's, it's a Pathfinder adventure path. There has to be some clues. And my character, Templeton, he's a very curious person, a very um, intellectual, thought-driven person. So, he, yeah, he's trying to put the pieces together. He's trying to puzzle this out. Yes, sir. <laughs> National Puzzle Day. All right. Well, that gives me something else I want to talk about. That's the session recaps. No games this weekend at time of recording. A uh, week from today will be session two of Wrath of the Righteous that I cannot wait for. I'll talk more about that in a second, too. All right. Let's get into the next segment. I love using puzzles in my games, in my role-playing games. I love putting in puzzles. I know I've talked about this before. Uh, I've also talked about how my players don't love it, but I love it. <laughs> it. It's really, it's one of the things I do as a dungeon master. That's almost strictly for myself. My players enjoy it well enough. Right. And I don't throw crazy, stupid, hard puzzles at them. Though they have gotten stumped on a few that it's then you're in that dilemma, right? I remember it was during the podcasting days. There was this puzzle that I'm pretty sure I've gotten. I got off of the uh, the Wally DM YouTube channel. He makes a bunch of puzzle videos, but his early ones, his first like 40 or something videos are all puzzles he made on like created on his own and i've used so many of them so many are so cool this one had to do with paintings and colors and there was this cauldron full of like eyeballs different colored eyeballs and stuff i forget exactly how it goes now but my players were stuck for a long time and it's what do you do then what do you do do you step in and say okay fine it goes like this you give them some checks what if they fail those check? Cause I think that's what it, you know, I think that's what happened. They, <clears throat> excuse me, the players were having trouble figuring it out. So I started giving them some checks and then they'd fail those checks. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh shit. But besides that time, I love puzzles in my, in my role playing game. I don't put them in often cause I know they're not for everybody. And they definitely, a lot of times break, the fourth wall, even though I try and make my puzzles thematically fit. One of my favorite puzzles, if I haven't said this before on the show, 
I'd be kind of surprised. But one of my favorite puzzles is one from Wally DM on his YouTube channel. Go check it out. Called the Prismatic Owl. Go look that puzzle up. It's cool. It involves like these little owl statues with different gemstone eyes. And you got to collect the right eyes to make these different other secret doors open. It's a super fun puzzle that you can kind of just fit in wherever. It's pretty intuitive. My players didn't have much of a problem with that, but they thought it was a super fun puzzle. And those are the best kind, right? Like, because when the players figure it out, when they solve the puzzle, they're stoked. And if you can give them a puzzle that's that perfect mix of, oh, what is it? And then, oh my God, it's this. That's the best. That's the absolute best. So yeah, puzzles, right? D d who, I'm not talking about traps either. I'm talking about puzzles. What is your favorite RPG puzzle? Do you have a favorite RPG puzzle? I know not everybody likes them, and that's totally fine. I think they're fun, though. So, yeah, if you have a favorite RPG puzzle, let me know, because I'm always looking for new cool puzzles. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Wrath of the Righteous. At time of recording, it's January 29th, 2022. We've had one session of Wrath of the Righteous. And I am pretty much done. 95% done. With the entire first book. As far as. Building stuff on Roll20. And. Woo. <laughs> it's been awesome. It's been freaking awesome. I never thought I would like this. It's Everything is very primitive. Very primitive, but I've done about as good of a job as I can do using my skill set and assets on Roll20 to put these these maps together of these different locations. And yeah, it's awesome to be. I mean, we won't finish this book for months, right? We're only playing every other week. I, it's going to take a long time for us to finish this first book. At least two more months, I would say. So to already be this far ahead of the game, now I can take a little breather and start brushing up on book two. Start digging deep into book two just to stay ahead. And then still give myself time to go back and look at what's going to happen this session, right? Like the night before the session, the day before the session, read the couple chapters or whatever that is going to happen. Just know everything that I can possibly and just boom. So when Saturday comes, when game day comes, it's, it's a lot less stress and feels pretty nice. You know, I didn't have any real roll 20 issues last week or last session. And partially that was due to, prepping and planning in advance and I've done it and I'm just pumped about it. So I wanted to talk about it because <laughs> I was putting together the last little bits of book one today and oof, <laughs> that's all I could say about that. The ending of book one is no joke. <laughs> this campaign is no joke. It is not a cakewalk as awesome as this adventure path ends up making the characters 
they need it. <laughs> they need it because it's so balls to the wall. And it has to be, right? If you're writing an adventure path about fighting demons, demons are powerful. So you need to have powerful people that can face down the demons, face down the darkness, and bring light to the world. And that's what it's all about. Like, it's just good versus evil. This is a, such a wholesome <laughs> campaign in terms of that. It is. There are very few shades of gray, although they're there. There's, they're there for sure. But it, it, it's very much black and white, good versus evil. And that's cool. But like I said, there is... There's stuff that goes on that's amazing in this adventure path. And yeah, it it's awesome. It would my life would be way easier if Paizo supported first edition stuff on Roll20 still. Like if I didn't have to build every single map on Roll20 by hand, that would be amazing. But at the same time, now this campaign is a little more a little more mine. You know, it's got it's got a bit more Joe in it than it did before. A little bit more of the blind rat. Some not straight lines, some lines that don't fully connect. Some shit where you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, I thought it was this. They're like, no, it's not that. <laughs> but that's cool. That's part of the good times of playing with me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think I'll uh, I think I'll wrap it up here. Thank you to Menyen, Rob, Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi, and to Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast for the calls. It's awesome. It's always good to hear from you dudes. And yeah, thank you to Eric for running an awesome game of Talisman. Thank you to Jason for being an awesome person to play with. And thanks to my Pathfinder crew for, you know, letting me hang. And run around with a crazy bomb-throwing rat. Because <laughs> it's a blast. I'll tell you that. So everybody, that's it for me for this week. Thank you all very much. And yeah, until next time. Take care of yourself. Do your best to stay healthy. It is still, it's nuts out there. It's still pretty crazy out there. Yeah, and until next time everybody. Peace out.